months uh, as the Fed continues to aggressively raise interest rates to, to get inflation under control. And they've been very clear that that's their intention. And I don't see them uh, backing off of that un until maybe late 2023, early 2024. We might see them pivot and start walking rates back down. But in the middle of all of that, there's going to be opportunities created for investors to step in and, and help those who are going to be in a tough situation with the cost of capital and the need for liquidity that's not there. Bayfire podcast at Expo Real. You are listening to the Bayfire podcast. Real estate, technology, cross-border investing, and the opportunities of a changing world. Let's start a conversation now. Over the last quarter century, Expo Real has been one of those marks on the calendar. In the first week of October, international real estate investors go to Munich and spend some time with each other to compare notes. It, it's interesting to me that um, it is now or has been before COVID the largest B2B trade fair in Europe. Um, and the fact that it's a real estate gathering, I think, is, is significant and important. However, the last few years, because of COVID has been very uh, challenging. In 2020, there was no Expo Real for, for worries about the spread of the virus. And there was a much smaller scale meeting last year in 2021. But this year, it seemed almost back to normal. I had a lot of conversation in the week at Expo Real and heard a lot of insights. Some of them the same, some of them different from what I expected. But I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with four AFIRE members with a microphone in hand to get their unique ideas and to share them with you on this podcast to give you kind of a sense of what people are talking about right now in the international real estate scene. Audrey Klein, a member and uh, the chair of uh, the ESG committees at SFO Capital Partners in Planet Smart City sat down with me, as did Ted Wilcox, the CEO of TrioVest, while uh, Madeira Andrade, uh, who's a board member at Fidelidade Property, as well as Will McIntosh from USAA Real Estate. To start with, Let's talk about what the conference felt like. Well, Gunnar, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to see AFIRE here at Expo Real and the trade fair. And great that all of us are back uh, two or three years later to experience the best of what Expo Real has to offer and meeting lots of friends and clients and colleagues uh, from around the world here on the floor. Just uh, great to be back and great to see AFIRE so well represented at Expo. It's been a couple of years since I've been to Expo and, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, I expected the, the vibe to be um, kind of much more negative than it is. Um, I certainly, I was here, you may remember 2008, 2009, the vibe was terrible. It's nothing like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people are actually happy to be back and see each other and, and um, get things done. Um, I don't see... Uh, you know, I don't see a lot of negativity so far. I think it goes it goes exactly in the, in, in, in the sense that you are saying. People are come to see what's going on. Come to see what's going on. Come to see what people are thinking, what people are doing, and probably not expecting people to be doing that much. I think um, there is a, 
on the bright side, on the bright side, it's different fare, as you, as you were saying. Uh, it's a COVID-free fare, if you wish. Uh, much more people than uh, than last year. A lot of buzz, a lot of buzz, actually. And But surprisingly, when you talk to people, there is not a lot of activity, a lot, a lot of deal activity, right? right. So pe people are just seem to be holding on to their projects. Mm -hmm. If they have something going on, well, continue doing it, but you know, at a steady pace, but not really engaging into transactional type of conversations, mm -hmm. you see? So it's um, it seems to be a little bit of a waiting game right now. Fantastic to see the number of people that have come. Uh, it's slightly different than it has been in, in past years, having been a member who's come for a number of years in a row. Uh, but I think the same enthusiasm, uh, you know, great to see the brands here, the investors. Uh, it, it seems to have the energy uh, that it did pre-pandemic. Now, as far as like all the other geopolitical issues that we have, time will tell, you know. Um, I really think that, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of sophisticated investors believe that there'll be, you know, opportunity that comes out of this time of adversity, you know. Um, I certainly don't feel like this is um, 2008, 2009 all over again, where people just stopped doing what they were doing, you know, if it was deer in the headlights. You know, it's probably more like, I mean, I wasn't... Um, I wasn't kind of full workforce mode by 1992, you know, in 1992, but people say that it looks more like that time period. I think the vibe is people are uncertain. They're searching for answers. They're, they're searching for understanding. They're curious. They want to know where the market's headed and what they need to be doing and thinking about. And in discussions I've had here with a number of, of people, uh, it, 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 it's clear that that's their focus. And I can tell you that some of them think that uh, the next year or two are going to get worse before it gets better. Others are saying, you know, we'll get through this. Let's, let's be planning for coming out the other end. And, and, and they're trying to stay positive. Uh, but, but the clear signal to me is uncertainty. And people are here because they're searching for answers and there's a lot of conversation. You have, uh, obviously, you know, the European investors are really looking to, uh, you know, North American managers and investors to really get that sense of, you know, what is the mood like in North America? Are we headed into recession? When will rate hikes end? You know, and then into the micro, you know, what's, what's the cost of debt? Uh, you know, where are exit cap rates? Those kind of things. They're asking us. Obviously, they have uh, you know, issues here, macro, both economic, uh, both, you know, with, with the war in Ukraine, uh, with a winter where we may see, you know, uh, an energy-starved continent. And those are some concerns. So, on one hand, we're asking questions of the Europeans, what their sentiment is. They're looking to, you know, the North American audience for to get some kind of understanding. But I would say, in general, um, you know, we're enthusiastic. Look, there's two themes going here. Obviously, there's a concern on the macro level. But remember, we're coming out of a pandemic. And, you know, many of the members haven't attended this in three years, had the opportunity to be face to face to do business. And you can see the energy here in the, you know, in the developments, uh, you know, the focus on ESG, the focus on refurbishment. Um, you know, a lot of investors here appear to be retrenching into their domestic markets. That, that appears to be the theme. And, you know, they're going back in and obviously looking at, at their portfolios, looking at, uh, you know, praise values, but you know, the denominator effect in terms of, of where they are domestically and internationally. But I get the sense that a lot of them are retrenching the domestic markets. When you flew in from Munich, I mean, to the airport, right, to the city, you drive by the Bayern Munich football stadium, which normally is lit. 
and it wasn't. <laughs> uh, okay. so, so we're already seeing signs. And I guess here in Germany, people will be very conscious and recommending about uh, people saving, saving energy. Saving uh, and people will do that. I mean, people will have, uh, I think in Germany, they, they, they will have like, a, how do you call it, the subsidy from the government mm -hmm. at individual level f f to support their families. But again, that will not be enough, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think we, we see it. We see it already. People see the bills rising, and you see that in everything, not that, that the families, but also the services, the production. Costs will rise. And as we were saying, construction costs are rising significantly as well. So how can you build something now when the prices perhaps are going down? Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't add up, right? It doesn't work. So you need to really have deep pockets to really pull through. And, and uh, because then, you know, when developments are done in two years' time, well, hopefully, or probably, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be, we'll be going back up again and there will be a market right so the guys who are really able to pull through will have will be able to have a you know successful story to tell at the end right well I think uh, given where the markets are both in the US and, and in Europe and even in Asia for that matter investors are looking for yield they're looking for return uh, the real the real estate market in the US uh, still is fundamentally sound and uh, I think as they look at where they need to be investing, the U.S. looks very attractive. Now, obviously with uh, uh, the, the dollar strengthening against the other currencies, uh, it makes it expensive, much more expensive, but, but still attractive. The one problem many of them are facing, though, is this thing we call the denominator effect, where um, you know, unfortunately, the real estate allocations now are, are much uh, stronger than they intended. And so they're finding themselves in a situation where they want to bring that back in balance, but yet they need to deploy more capital into real estate because the returns there are more attractive than, than what they're going to see in the stock and bond market. And, and I got to tell you, I think that's going to continue. We're probably, that's probably a long-term effect. Uh, the alternatives are going to continue to be more attractive and I think you're going to continue to see more capital deployed in the alternatives market, which includes real estate. So stay well, tuned. 2008-2009, it was just doom and gloom. I mean, you know, people are, you know, not only talking to you about their, how they didn't know where their portfolios were, but, you know, the, the personal crises they were having at home and stuff, you know, so people just didn't um, delineate at all. It was like everything was bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But not the case stuff. No, no. It, it does seem kind of normal. Yeah, people are cautious. I mean, you know, right now, um, I think the biggest problem that I've heard or, or the biggest concerns that people have are energy, you know, uh, how are people, you know, putting kind of, higher energy costs into their portfolios you know and this is a great time to talk about esg actually you know yeah. are you making your your portfolios more energy efficient you know number one number two the other thing is credit you know so a lot of the banks have you know pulled back or you know hit the pause button and and that's difficult when you know you need debt to complement your your deal structure
Well, I think ESG is going to drive a tremendous amount of investment and a tremendous amount of refurbishment and development uh, you know, into the U.S. markets and bring a lot of the ESG standards that exist already in Europe into the U.S. Um, you know, if you look back, perhaps it was you know, the Davos conferences of 27, 2018, where, where CEOs were pledging you know, net zero. That quickly accelerated very quickly um, to have many investors in real estate, European specifically, to, to focus on their plans. You know, not buying aging stock, uh, certainly buying usually buying new, looking at refurbishment and all the properties. Uh, you know, that wave is is happening in the U.S. and you see major cities taking initiatives. Uh, you see most major investors adopting ESG standards in terms of their investing criteria and parameters. So I think it's it's not just here to stay, but it's actually going to grow in relevance. Each of our investor members has large ESG components and staff to, you know, to, to staff up and have an understanding of the portfolio and the implications on their investments. I think with, with all of these things that we're concerned about, it creates opportunity. And I think you're going to see opportunities materialize over the next year or so as, as the market tries to sort itself out. And we're going to have investors because of rising interest rates and other issues that are going to struggle and there's going to be opportunities to enter the market and provide solutions for those investors to help uh, work through what has become a difficult environment. Uh, and it's not just the rising interest rates, it's just it's illiquidity in general. And it's, as, as, for example, loans come due and, and these investors go to re- refinance, they're going to find it very difficult. And so I think there's going to be opportunity for those who are prepared to help provide those solutions. So it's affordable housing that we're talking about, where demand far outstrips supply worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, there's a strong demand continued for, uh, you know, for housing, workforce housing, multifamily in general. I think those you know, the two sectors that probably appeal most to the investors on the floor here today investing into U.S. markets are multifamily and industrial, but certainly multifamily. Now, it doesn't come without its... Issues. So you've got, you know, in Europe, you talk about the financialization of, of housing. That's a dominant theme that's coming into North America now, and just how much of these vehicles of, of REITs and foreign investors, uh, and how much is that driving up the, you know, the supply issues, uh, you know, that exist in, in North American markets. Um, I think you've got a lot of uh, focus from these investors on the multifamily space and, and uh, the opportunities that bound. When you think about, though, you talk, here we are at a week where we're having currency crisis, we've got you know, issues going on in, in the UK as relates to, uh, you know, their budgets. We've got some European bank names in the news. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty it continue in the in the financial markets. Uh, but again, I think what you mentioned is a lot of European investors see opportunities in the US. They see, you know, so cap rates have moved. That allows, you know, on the other hand, people who hedge, those costs have changed. Um, again, pricing debt's important. But I think the fact that that things have widened, allows some people to come back in, you know, pending their uh, you know, denominator effect and allocations. So I think you're uh, in a position to see people relook at U.S. markets, relook at secondary markets that they've been intrigued in for the past you know, 24 months. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting going forward. Um, I think people are just really going to hold together. You know, people are going to work together and, and help each other out. I mean, I, I really sense that. There's a real sense of kind of, you know, we're going to get through this together. I think that's why, you know, I think that's what's cutting the possible doom and gloom, you know, possible scenario. I just, um, I think people just feel like we're all in this together. You know, we've got to, we've got to beat whatever it is, 
yeah. out there. Exactly. I mean, we just lived through two years of a pandemic. You know, how much fun was that? I think actually, it seems that Europe may become a good hunting ground for American investors. Actually, right, because the Americans are have other problems. <laughs> have other problems. We all have, problems. we all have our own problems, but I and obviously also economic and with the recession and so forth. But still, they are not. They don't have the same energy problems that we have in Europe, and which will put a break. On, on the largest economies in, in Europe, which is Germany, Italy, France. UK is suffering as well right now, but also due to currency. And so I think for the next six months or so, easily, there will be a little bit of uh, stall in what's going on. And, and so I don't really see that there will be much activity. People will be much more focused on defending the value of their existing investments rather than let's go out and buy something because also the financing will become an issue at some point in time right it's it's already is yeah stay tuned you're right i mean we've got a bit of a rally happening who knows how that uh, translates into into some stability but you know it is as we know the u.s market is the most investable in the world the largest real estate market and that's what hence you know, uh, you know you're here today and and representing um, those interests and and certainly our uh, our members uh, want to focus on u.s activity well, I think one thing is, you know, what are the next trends where nobody saw this, this return to office issue impacting office, right? It was supposed to be the most stable bastion of, of investing, um, and you could measure it economically and statistically in each market. Um, you know, what are the next trends to affect real estate? That's what you really need to be concerned about is, you know, where are, if you see early adopter investors have moved into life science and done very well about it. Uh, you know, w what's the next trend? Well, I think the obviously the fundamentals have changed over the last 36 months as it relates to supply chain and logistics, and I think the uh, you know the long-term trend for industrial is still strong, just given that we are we are translating our our consumer habits from uh, brick and mortar to online. Now, there's obviously been uh, return back to brick and mortar post-pandemic, but I think the fundamentals of uh, of industrial again replacing new stock with aging stock. Uh, and this the last mile concept. I think there's a very long tail in terms of investing. In most markets you look at in the U.S., there's still uh, you know supply constraint and still the need for efficient uh, you know industrial. You're going to find different whether it's you know, cold storage, whether it's last mile. There's all sorts of unique uh, you know attributes even within the logistics space that I think people will start to explore. Well, I think again, it's 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 about uh, you know, where new classes of real estate are emerging. When you look, for example, in the office sector, where the amenitization, which used to be a heavy term, you know, over the past period, has now turned into the you know the, the hotelization. You know, even got another step. How do you attract these workers out of their homes back into the office? How do you make uh, you know the office a comfortable place to to stay? I see trends in refurbishment in that whole office piece. I see exciting opportunities in new development in the U.S. markets that I think will attract a lot of Europeans because, again, we have an aging supply um, you know, in a lot of markets. Um, I think they get this, there's, there's trends even in the multifamily space that are, that are unique uh, rather than just the traditional um, you know, 
value add or, or opportunistic sides and um, you know uh, other other asset classes perhaps not for me to comment on whether it's hospitality but uh, um, but of course we haven't talked retail retail's always an ever-changing landscape it's kind of interesting again here to be uh, in Munich see you know retail revitalized and and back and as we know in places like New York it's reinventing itself as as many markets are and um, uh, you know I think stay tuned on the retail front because that's going to be a really interesting intersection of, of sort of the e-commerce versus brick and mortar. And I think the next 12 months will really indicate where we are with office. I mean, you know, the, the, the castle numbers coming out of the uh, U.S. are sitting at 46%. Those numbers have to come up. Uh, I think they will. I mean, you know, is, is the pandemic over? Yes, we believe it is. Um, the question is, how do you get those workers back? And once they start to come back and those numbers start to drift up, we probably only ever hit 75 or 80% on a best case basis pre-pandemic anyway. So I think once that confidence comes back that office um, is a long-term investable asset, as we all know it is, um, then you'll start to see more interest. And, uh, you know, again, this window here may allow some of our European friends here to uh, uh, access markets that may not have in the past. But I'm a believer in, in office. I mean, people want to congregate. We won't build the great companies of the future by people doing it from their, uh, you know, basements. So I think it's you know, people will congregate and we're going to start to see that. We just need to have some, a period of time here where um, you know, people start to congregate uh, more fulsome in, in the office. You come down to always think about alternatives, right? But I don't necessarily think of alternatives as asset classes, but perhaps more in geographies, right? Because again, um, then it's an issue of scale and whatnot and you know, asset management, intensive asset management or servicing nature, operation nature of, of some asset types. But, you know, it's it comes down to location mm -hmm. as a type. You know, it's it's basic, right? Yeah. But you yeah. think like it's it's really basic real estate, right? And then and because you really and I think here and we've seen it across and other a fire podcasts and probably other publications that really it's really important to be able to manage the information that we have yeah. there's so much information out there right so if we're able to take that on board and and identify where the trends are and where we should be doing what and when mm -hmm. i mean obviously it's a little bit crystal ball but we have a lot of information that helps us that way right for instance some people say that oh deals still happen yeah what deals, you know, deals in the, the perfect building, in the perfect location, perfect occupation, whatnot. And perhaps they're kind of, I would not say immune, they suffer a few basis points discount because of market environment. But if you have like the random or regular office building, just to give an example, secondary location, not optimal occupation, they'll get 20, 30% off like that. I think in countries, in many countries, we are past the kind of concern of back to the office, yeah. Yeah, perhaps not in the States where that is still an, an issue. But I think in some countries in Europe, people are, are coming back to the office. So there is a kind of a new normal right. and people can factor that in. So I think really the concern is really where the market will move, right? Yeah. And uh, will the rents grow? Will the rents grow? <laughs> so what are the financing costs? Yeah. What are cap rates? How is the inflation rate? You know, so for the next year or two, we'll be threading on certain ground, I guess. Make sure you 
communicate really well with your current credit sources. You know, make sure you you take that into consideration and, you know, don't underestimate how important it is to make your buildings more energy efficient. You know, I think that's going to be really key because, you know, people are offering caps, you know, governments are offering caps on energy um, for residents, but certainly not for businesses, you know, and that's where the real fear is. So that's just a sample of some of the great ideas, thoughts, and insights that were coming from many AFIRE members. Once again, I want to thank uh, the four member guests that shared their thoughts on microphone, Audrey Klein, Ted Wilcox, Joao uh, Madeira Andrade, and Will McIntosh uh, for sharing their thoughts and ideas. And I look forward to seeing uh, AFIRE members again at meetings that are coming up over the next few months. And of course, our winter meeting in February in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening for the A-Fire Podcast Special Expo Real Edition. You've been listening to the A-Fire Podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast subscription service such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitchers, and others. A-Fire is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice. No content in this podcast is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included has been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though A-Fire is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE.